Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, as you've provided this, this beautiful day that you have made, Lord, we come with an open heart to hear what you have to say, to hear what, what you, through your spirit, is going to move our hearts, Lord, and that we would be open. And I pray that for each and every one of us here, that we would open our hearts to hear what God has to say to us, because there's a particular message that he has. It's not my message. It's his message directly to you. And I pray that our hearts are open to hear and that we would be mindful, that we would be uh, centered in on what he wants. And I just pray that through this message, Lord, you are glorified. For you are Lord, you are God, and you've given us all that is needed and necessary to do that which you called us to do. And we just lift this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Uh, as I was uh, going through this message, and it really reminded me, um, I remember when I was young, um, so that's going back a little ways, maybe not for some people, but for others. Um, remember before where reality shows weren't really a big thing, weren't really a thing, but I used to watch This Old House uh, PBS, right? That was the only one that carried it. And they would take these houses that, that are people wanted to renovate, and you got to see them um, go through a process of renovation through it and how they went through it and the skills that they went. And then came along this whole, whole movement of, I, I think from network's point of view, it was cheaper, reality shows, Right? Um, you don't have to really set up too much on it, but um, they came out with all these fixer shows, right? Home fix up, uh, car fixing, the chop shops, the the um, just that whole thing. But one of them that really caught my eye was, uh, do you remember uh, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, right? That they would take this. Uh, this, this family that came in and said, you know, I, we're just looking for some help. It might have been them. It might have been a, a friend, a cousin, someone in the community seeing a need, seeing this um, house that they shouldn't really be living in anymore. Um, one that it reminded me of was this young man. He, he went off to college. He was in college, and the mother died. And... He decided to give up this scholarship and come back and help out the family and, and become, become the, the, the male leader in the family. He's working at the high school as just in the food services, pre- prepping food. Um, he also was in gymnastics, so he was helping the cheer team and doing things like that. And He's just going, and he gave up so much. And they show the house. The house is just terrible, dilapidated, holes all over the place. Uh, and he's saying, oh, man, if someone could just maybe fix my roof for me, because I'm not sure we can make it through another, another winter like this, the way it is. And that's all he's looking for, just a little help. And he comes on to the show, and this show comes on, and as you know, they, they bring all these people together, these professionals, this community of designers, uh, um, construction people, uh, different companies that will provide support. And they come and they, they take that family. You know, there were two boys and, and a young lady with, with a, a child. And they take them out of that environment for, I don't know, a week, 10 days or something. And they just come in and they just redo the whole thing, right? They almost flatten the whole thing. I, I mean, some of it is like, yeah, can you really do that? Is there really that much space? And it, it, it's an amazing transformation that they go through, that they change everything, right? That, that um, it doesn't even look like the house that it became. Maybe they kept some of it, you know, to keep the memories of the place that were in there. But they go, and, and in this week, in 12 days or something, it goes from maybe 
an 800 square foot house to like a 2,500 square foot house. They add this second floor, they add those, and they're adding all this stuff. And even more than that, they add rooms in specific areas that are specific to that person, to that child, and, and their, their wants and their, their aspirations, whether they're an artist, whether they're, they, they're an athlete and they want to work out. I mean, because these guys really don't have the ability to um, go to college. I mean, this may be their only shot, right, at something good, at some change in their life that looks good for them. And they come back, and they bring them back, and they, all the people are behind them, all the people who worked on it, they're yelling, screaming, it's going crazy, and they got this big old bus in front of it, and that, right, that became the, that, the big theme, right? Move that bus, and was the big reveal of this house. It just looked, wow, this was nothing like what was there before. This is nothing like. And the tears start coming down, right? The streaming of that. And they go in and, and, and the designers start talking about each room that they had and the reason why they built each piece. You know, oh, I built this bed that had this, this theme to it because I know you like butterflies or animals. Oh, over here, look at this. Hey, we built you a little gym that you can work out in. That, you know, the guy's like, I, I never get to work out. Only when I go to school, maybe. And it was very specific, right? And they kept memorabilia from the family, what the family means to them, what certain events in their life meant to them. And they just brought it all together. And, you know, it, it, it's very specific of what these people are looking for and what's going to help them and for a purpose. And they're just going and, you know, you're watching and crying and, and everybody's crying behind them and going and then I'm probably sitting on my couch and my wife's asking me, are you getting Verklam? <laughs> you don't know what that word means, look it up. And it's like, okay, okay, you know, let's come back. <laughs> you're getting into this a little bit too much, right? And that's, that was one of those shows that really just, I thought, well, this is a neat reality show. This is a neat idea of this extreme makeover that goes on of wiping out maybe all that, that was poor and, and unuseful to make it new and useful and of value to you. And, and then I asked myself, you know, why am I so fascinated by this extreme makeover? What, what's, what piques our interest in all this? And so, just to give you a little context, um, here's my definition of what this extreme makeover is. It's the process of taking something old, broken, imperfect, damaged, or not useful, and re- recreating it into something that is whole, Useful, beautiful, attractive, and new. And then I, I go about and asking, well, what about this thing that is old made new? This thing that is broken and then it's made whole? And the car just went by. And something that isn't right. And it's just made into something that's beautiful, that's useful. What is it about that that attracts us? That we're like, wow, that's an interesting thing. And I think there's a lot of reasons, but here's three of them that I came up with. First, I think we inwardly love to see positive change. We love to see that, right? Oh, someone growing, someone catching on, getting it. Wow. I mean, I know that that drives me a lot in, in just, you know, teaching somebody something or something works and it works the way you thought it was supposed to and it made it just so exciting for all of us. Second thing is, I, I think it, it, it's this curiosity we have of that skill someone has to take something 
broken and make it new. To, to take a car that is all rusted out and make it beautiful. I'm like, I can't do that. I don't know how you even did that. You know, to take this house and, and I don't even know where you got the square footage from. It doesn't look like. And it's so much more functional. So much more. And then the third reason I think we're fascinated in these extreme makeovers is that all of us long for that security of, I want an extreme makeover in my life. I want this change in my life. That that would be awesome, right? To change a life, to, to have this deep in our hearts, this, this longing to be satisfied, to take something that we think is broken and go, wow, it works now. You know? And we want to see that positive change. And rather than thinking that this is, well, this is selfish. This, I shouldn't be that. I'm a Christian. We don't think of selfish things. I, I think this is something God has given us. It is rooted in our spiritual DNA from our creator. It's in our hearts. He wants to do extreme makeovers, and he wants us to do, participate. Because what I'm really going to suggest to you is the ultimate extreme makeover is Jesus Christ working in the human heart and changing your life. And so that's the title of my message, if you haven't caught it already, God's Extreme Makeover. And really, this is Jesus working in the human heart and taking that which was broken, that which we can't fix, that which is useless and dysfunctional. And he makes it useful. He makes it functional, beautiful. In fact, Our fascination with these makeovers, I believe, is rooted in the author of Extreme Makeovers himself, and and that being God in in the the verse in 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, not just particular people, anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, All things have become new. I think that's God's verse to tell us that he is also into extreme makeovers in our life. And that's what's rooted in in us. That's the desire, the one who created all things, who created this heaven and the earth, the oceans. He created us. His desire is to do extreme makeover in each and every one of us, through his son. And as fascinating and amazing it is to see a house that is changed and looks so good after, God wants to do this relational, this spiritual, and emotional, eternal, and a forever transformation in every man, every woman, every child. He wants to do a recreation of each and every one of us. And he wants to take the old and put it away. Right? If any man be a Christ, you are a new creation. He wants to create this something new. He wants to open the door of your heart and create a new life. A life that you couldn't create. A relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, that gives you new desires, a new future, a new purpose, a new life. And a new peace. And he wants to take the old and forgive you of those things. And he wants to take the dirty and and cleanse them. And he wants to put your past behind you. And God wants to do this extreme makeover in your life, in my life. And he does this through his son, Jesus Christ. And what we're going to see, and I'm going to take you through a little bit of analysis of it. How does that take place? How does that work? And what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you to to open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 2. 
And we're going to see, how does God do an extreme makeover? So in, in Ephesians chapter 2, starting, starting in verse 1, what, what he's going to show us is the before picture, who we were, that dysfunctional, that unuseful. And as we go on, we'll see what our after picture looks like. But in Ephesians chapter 2, he's going to give us that before picture. Before the plastic surgery, before the, the drywall went up, this is who you were. Right? It reads in verse 1, And you made me, you, and you he made alive, who was dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit who now works in the son of disobedience, among whom also we all, so there's no one, no exceptions, we all once conducted our lives in the lust of our, of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. That's who we were. That's what, whether you want to believe it, whether you want to see it or not, that's the house. That's who you are in God's eyes. And we can really spend a lot of time going through that because that in itself could be a message. But I know you guys want to eat. So I'm only going to keep you for so long. So I'm just going to say, show you quick, some quick observations from that verse. He says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And theologically, we were separated from God. We were before God that which was unholy. To a holy God who is pure, who is right, we could not stand. We could not have that relationship with him. He also goes on and says, we were prisoners. We were prisoners of this world system. In a lot of ways, we even see ourselves somewhat prisoners of the system today. That it influences us. It influences the way we think, how we speak, what we do. Right? This system that we live in is really powered by the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan. That's where we were, right? We were prisoners to dysfunctional relationships. We were prisoners of being addicted to pleasing people, to drugs, to habits, pornography, what we look like, how we pose, how we, we present ourselves. And finally, we notice that we were, by nature, children of wrath. And that's God's wrath. God's wrath towards us. Not towards us specifically, but towards our sin. There is a judgment for living in a way that hurts people. The stealing, the lying, the manipulation, the posing, the image casting that we do, all this has an effect. And God says, this is who you used to be. You used to be dead. You used to be a prisoner. You used to be, by nature, a children of wrath. But notice as we read on, in verse, starting in verse 4, this is who we are now. For those who have a personal relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ, this is who you are. If you don't know Christ today, you are in this first category. And if you don't know Christ, I invite you to come to know him. You can either talk to us after, talk to myself, or you can shut me down right now and you can start speaking to the God of this universe and asking for forgiveness. But that's 
who we are talking about now. Who are you now? Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, right? His great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And mine has his brackets, but by grace you have been saved. And then notice what this has in this next verse has to say and what he did. He raised us up together and made us sit to, together in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. He took you from the death and raised you up with Christ. And we are seated with him, right? And what we get to see now is there are some major changes that are going on. There, has, there is a major change that has been taking place. There's an extreme makeover that has gone, right? You used to be dead. Now you're alive. You used to be a prisoner. Now you're delivered from sin's power, Satan's grip, from past mistakes. You're forgiven. You used to be a child of wrath, and now you are new standing with God. There isn't that barrier, that wall, that separation between you and the creator of the universe. He says he loves you. You're now seated. You're part of his family. That's the before. I mean, we just went through the before and now the after. That's the picture. And then, as I went on, I was like, well, well why, why did God do that? And as we read on further, we're going to see the answer in verses 7 through 9. And in verse 7, I want you to really notice, there, he gives the purpose of this change, of this extreme makeover that he is doing. Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 7, it says, that in the ages to come, he, right, God, might show the exceedingly riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And then it moves on to this familiar passage. A lot of us know this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Not of works. This is not of anything that you could have done. Not of a, your own abilities. It is God who does this extreme makeover. Not us. Least anyone should boast. God wants to do this extreme makeover in our lives. In your life and my life, right? And the reason he wants to do that is so we can see the riches of the kindness of his grace demonstrated in Christ. That's why he did it. That's the purpose of the extreme makeover. That you can see his grace. And I don't think we think about that very often. Of why God saved us. Of why God wanted to do this great and mighty work. That he wants to demonstrate his grace. He wants to take this shabby old house, our bodies. And he wants to give us this new life, right? Not the old life in Adam, but this new life in Jesus Christ. We've been alienated from God, but now we have communion. Now we have relationship with him. And because of what Christ has done... He wants to continue to do this extreme makeover and he wants to rebuild our heart. He wants to give us a new heart, no longer a stony heart, that pliable heart. He wants to change the way we think. We were to renew our minds in the things of Christ, in the things of the word. He wants you to, to, to change your standing with him. He wants you to be in relationship with him. And in that your relationship with others, and even more, your relationship with yourself. Because a lot of us don't really like ourselves. And that's what he wants to renew. And the reason he wants to do that is that in ages to come, right? And that, that is the idea of in time, 
in this history of, of Christ doing a work, of God doing a work, he wants to show his great and mighty grace upon us, right? Over time, we get to see the kitchen, the new living room, the, the new bedroom. And it displays, and we go, wow. And we're mindful of who did that. I mean, as much as we're like, wow, look at that. It's wow. As much as that room is something, that designer, that, that contractor, that worker, their skill, their ability, and the reason why they did it, has much more impact on us of saying, this is, this is God. This is what he wants to do in us. So that, we see that sense of awe, that jaw dropping, right? Move that bus and wow. You guys ever take any time to go, wow. Wow, God. I mean, we were talking yesterday, a men's study of just looking out. I mean, went diving this past Friday, I think. And looking out in the ocean and just going, wow. Look at what the creator of the world has done. This is so awesome. And then you look at yourself and go, wow. Look at what God has done in my own life. How he has taken me from darkness to light. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to turn people who, who, just that sense of, hey, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you that there is a God who loves me and has something for me and wants to do things in my life. And we see what God is about for everyone who's willing to let him. Right? But you've got to be willing Choose this day who you are going to serve. You can choose man. You can choose God. It's about the changes he wants to do through the power of Christ in your life. This new creation that you've become. He wants you to, to, to be that, you know, you, you meet up with a friend that you used to run with, right? Ten years ago. That, that you hung out high school, maybe college. And they're like, whoa, who are you? You're so different. You've changed. Maybe not so much outwardly, but inwardly. And it's funny because that kind of happened to me. Um, A friend of mine that we went to high school together, and then all of a sudden I got this email. He's like, hey, this is Danny. Is this the Stephen that went to our our Rancho High School? Um, Yeah. Danny, Danny Valdez. Oh, I'm now an associate pastor at Calvary Chapel Santa Fe Springs. And he's actually, I'm leaving and I'm going out and doing um, pastoring at uh, uh, Calvary Training Center in La Gloria, Tijuana, Mexico. I'm like, wow. God really did a change in you because I knew who you were. And how you were, especially in high school, right? And college. Um, Wow, it's not the same guy. He's done an extreme makeover in you. And and it's that kind of wow. I mean, we've seen different people who've come and shared it here. Uh, um, Kelly and I were even talking about um, Camp Agape, right? Ray Yamamoto, his story. A prison life, a, a life of drugs, a life of crime. And God took him and did an extreme makeover in his life. He's now a pastor. He is now runs Camp Agape. He, he does outreaches. He does leadership. He takes in those who are cast. I mean, even Kelly and himself and his ministries. We all have a story. We all have a testimony of this makeover in our lives. And it is these extreme makeovers that, that God wants to do, right? It's 
it's what we were before. Tread, dead in our transgressions, a prisoner, and now we are free. We're alive. We're living. And the lives that we live, right, is that Ephesians 1 through 9. What we were before, what we are now. And it says, well, you know, in my mind, where does this go? Where, where, where do you get this? Well, if we look at verse 10, just the next verse, Ephesians 10, here's what we want to see. He goes on and tells us, For we are his, God's, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you understand that? That each and every one of you who have accepted Christ, you are God's workmanship. You are God's masterpiece. Right? If we go back to 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone, that's all, any of us who have, have accepted, we are a new creation. The old things have passed away. The new has come. We are a new creation. And we are now a new masterpiece. We are his masterpiece, even more specifically, right? And so if you look at that verse, verse 10, if you want to mark up your Bible, it's good too. We are his workmanship. I would, I would mark that. Created in Christ Jesus. And what finally is the purpose is to do good works. Just those statements, right? We are now his workmanship creating Christ Jesus for a purpose of doing good works. Not doing our works, not doing our thing, but doing good works that he has for us, right? And that's important because if you don't understand when you're going through things that he has prepared things for you, you have no hope. You have no security. You have nothing to hold on to because you're going, why am I going through this? And you have nowhere to go back to and saying, my security is God said, God said, I have prepared this path for you for good works before the foundation of the world. And it's so easy to spin out, because I do it. Oh, man, what's going on? I can't, we can't, this can't be right, right? This isn't God's plan. Come on, God, this isn't your plan. This isn't right. But he has prepared them for us beforehand that we should walk in them. And that's the choice. Are you going to walk in them, or are you going to walk in your own? Right? He gives us this second chance, this redo. In golf, right? We take a mulligan. Oh, no, that, that wasn't my best shot. I don't, you know, I'm going to take a second shot at this. In basketball, right? No, oh, no, that was short. I, I wasn't warmed up. Oh, shoot. I wasn't warmed up. Let me take another shot. Right? He gives us a second chance. And what we are, right, is, is this masterpiece. And in, in the Greek, what it's talking about is that you are this, this sculpture, this canvas of painting that he's taking from nothing to something, a rock that, what is it? You can't see it. Chipping away, a little work here, a little work there. And he's creating you into a masterpiece, right? Literally, I mean... It talks about the word, it's poema, poem. You are a poem. You are this masterpiece that he wants to put on display of his workmanship in Christ Jesus, not of you, not of yourself. He's here recreating you how? Through your relationship with Christ, right? And why? For what purpose? For good works. Here we go. For those good works that he has prepared for you. So it's about him, not you. He has 
prepared these works for you beforehand. And that's what he wants to do. And that's God's plan for you. You are that masterpiece. You are that special work. And you are a work in progress. Because as we read in 2 Corinthians, where it tells us that if any man be in Christ, we are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. This is sanctification. It's the process of growing. It's the process of becoming that masterpiece that he wants in you. I came across this kind of a wacky story, but I'm going to tell it to you because it makes a point. So on the mainland, you know, there's areas over there where they call the, ha- the haulers, right? Way back. They don't really know society that much. They're just way back in, in an area that, that um, you know, they, they live off the land. That's all they do. They don't know the buildings, the big cities, or any of it, the high-rises. And, and they're, they're just back there. And there's this family, and, and, and they're just, you know, doing their thing. But it's a mom, it's a dad, it's a son. And the dad goes, Son, you're, you're getting kind of old. You need to see what the city's all about. You need to see what this place is. So they get in their truck, their rusted old truck, you know, women smoke blowing out of the back, the thing's all rusted and falling apart. And, you know, almost if you guys are old enough, the Beverly Hillbillies, right, moving on down the road and going and chugging along. And they're going. And they come into the city, right? Cars all over the place, high-rise buildings, mirror, you know, because every. In the city, every window is all mirrors. Can't see anything, but it's beautiful. Architecture and everything. And they pull up, they pull up to this one building and, and they go into the, it's a bank. He's going, Well, maybe we need to invest your money, put your money away. I don't know what money they had, but put your money in there. And they go and they go through, right? The revolving doors, and they're like, Whoa, whoa, what's this? And you come through. And they're in the lobby, the bank's over here. And there's this whole bank of elevators, lights up top, blinking, going on. And there's this old lady, osteoporosis, cane, waiting for the elevator. The door opens up. She goes in. And they're just watching this, like, what's going on? What is this thing? She takes off, comes back a little bit later, right? 20 seconds later. The door opens up, and out walks this beautiful blonde, just this gorgeous girl, comes out, and the dad's like, wow, I think we have a magic box here. (laughs) Son, go get mom. (laughs) Is that how it happens for us in life? Is that how this extreme makeover is really going to happen? It doesn't happen in a magic box. It happens in the life, the life that we have, right? Where does God do these extreme makeovers? It's not going to be, I mean, wouldn't we all just love to, oh, accept the Christ, it's over, it's done, I'm complete in him. But that's not how it works, Right? For through him, Christ, we both, Jews and Gentiles, right? If, well, I'm oh, sorry. Let's jump down to verse 18. I'm skipping a little bit. If we jump down to verse 18 in, in Ephesians 2, it says, For through him, right, through Christ, we both, because it just talked about um, in the previous section of Jews and Gentiles coming together, And having access by one spirit to the Father. Verse 19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. But fellow citizens with the saints. And this is the part I want you to to be mindful of. And members of the household of God. And having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, being fit together, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are 
being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And we notice verse 19, the household of God. It goes on and tells us that we are being built a holy, a whole building, a holy temple, a dwelling place. There's a special place that this all takes place, that this extreme makeover takes place, that God does his spiritual work, and it's not in a special closet, it's not in that elevator. The house, it is in the household of God. It is in his holy temple, this special, this supernatural community that comes together. And this house where God does extreme makeovers is called the church. It's not a building. It's not the structure. It's the people, the relationships, the working of God through your life, through my life, to touch each and every one of us. And it happens here. And again, what is the purpose? Why do we gather? To do an extreme makeover. To do the work of chipping away the rock, the hard spots. To come in along to side to support, to be there for one another. To help one another. Right? It's when the living, breathing, called out people of God who are living in community, who are walking in authentic authenticity, who are living out significantly in purity, doing life together in the power of the Spirit, based on the Word of God in the supernatural community. That's who we are. That's the church. And that is where extreme makeovers happen. Yes, there is times where you're, you're doing your own um, Bible study. You're doing your own devotional. And he's going to talk to you and he's going to work in you. But that which he's working in you, he wants to put on display and be used in the church, in the body. You are an instrument for one another. And that's why the local church is the hope of the world. And the hard part, the sad part that we see so often is that's not happening. So extreme makeovers aren't happening. And in some ways, generations are stepping away from this extreme makeover process. So that's where he does his work in the church. And so where we want to go now is down, let's jump into chapter 3, and I'm going to jump to verse 10. And we want to ask ourselves, so what's the intent of all this? What's the intent of the extreme makeover? And it tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, his intent Right? And he's talking about the church, because that's what he's been dealing with, the church, that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to by the church to principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So did you see that? His intent is through the church is to express and demonstrate his, his, God's manifold wisdom. Not yours. God's manifold wisdom. That's us, guys. We should be displaying God's manifold wisdom. God's work in our lives. God's moving why, why do we even come to church? Why do we seek God? Because of all that he is doing, all that he is working, all that he is. And we are that testimony. 
And it's not just the purpose. And, and did you get this? Okay, It's not just for people around us, not for just your neighbor, not for the person sitting next to you. It's much bigger, right? It's so angels, principalities, all created things. Right? We often get stuck in our own little world about us, about what's happening. God wants to put us on display so that angels who are looking down will say, Wow, move that bus. Wow, look at what happened to them. Look at what God is doing. Look at what the designer, the creator, our God, has done in the lives of these people that were messed up that we're on death's path. But look at now, they have life. And so the purpose too, as, as we have seen closer to us, is to reach our neighbor, to reach our community, to reach the person next to you, the sex addicts, the drug addictors, the homeless, to those even sitting in the seat next to you who seems to have it all together, but is maybe not sharing what is really going on in life. Because we're all going through a lot of stuff. Life is not easy. But we have hope. We have security. We have our relationship with Christ. And he has good works planned for us. And so... What does this say? What is his intent, right? Is to demonstrate his manifold wisdom. It's so that we are able to show his skill, his, his, his abilities, right? Just like, wow, we look at that, that work that is done. We get to show off for God. So that's the, the corporate side. Where else does he do this work? In... Um, as we go on in, in verse 14, it says, For this reason I have bowed down my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in the heaven and earth is named. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Where? Through his spirit in the inner being. That he would grant you, according to his riches and his glory, to be strengthened that with that, with, with, with might through his spirit in the inner man. And here's the purpose, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints that what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So where does God want to do uh, extreme makeovers? He wants to do it first in the church, or in one place in the church. And the second place, he wants to do it in your heart. He wants to change your heart. He wants to, through the change of heart, which changes your mindset, which changes your actions, which changes your morality, to demonstrate his wisdom. Right? So we see, where does he do it? In the household of God, the church. And how does he do it? He does it individually through each and every one of us, through each and every one of you, in your heart, in the human heart of people. But as we come towards a close... All of this, and just kind of as I've said, if you take a sculpture, the sculpture in itself just doesn't become, I mean, move from a rock to an actual masterpiece without tools, without something to carve it, something to chip it, something to buff it. And that's who all of you guys are. That's who all we are. We are the tools in the hands of the master to be used for the purpose of developing in one another a masterpiece so we can say, wow.
Look at what God has done. Man, what wisdom, what knowledge. He is so far. He is so big. He is so loving. He is just so much bigger than I can comprehend. But that's who our God is. And that's what he wants to do. And he wants to use it in you. He wants you, the church, the the hope of the world, to display his manifold wisdom. He wants to do an extreme makeover. Who you were before, who you are now. And he wants to do that through the church and through the individual lives that each and every one of you. That's the extreme makeover that God wants to do. So I just want to close with this last verse because I hopefully it challenges and encourages. In Matthew 5.14, Matthew 5.14, it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light in all the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works. Why? And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light so shine. God has come to do an extreme makeover in us. And we are part of the tools that he is going to use. So that's our, our study for today. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you have come, that you loved me, loved us so much that you wanted to do an extreme makeover in our lives, that you, Lord, are going to do the work that you have set this before us beforehand i mean that's just an awesome thought that i can trust i can rest i can believe that you have good works for me and lord my heart is that i want to walk in those good works i want to be your wisdom displayed i want to be what you called us to be lord may we be that light on the hill to glorify you in all that we say, in all that we do. And I just thank you that you love us, Lord, and that you came to do this extreme makeover in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.